finding freedom in truth, pursuing truth in scripture. This is the Mormon Hope Podcast with Brandon Vaughn and Dave Malinak. Welcome into the Mormon Hope Podcast. I am Brandon Vaughn along with Dave Malinak. We're two Baptist pastors here in the heart of Mormon country, Utah, and we love to use this podcast as a platform uh, by which to discuss and defend our Christian faith, as well as compare and contrast to the faith of our LDS neighbors and friends. And we've actually kind of got a special episode this week in the sense of... All our episodes are special. Well, <laughs> well we are special, that's, yeah, that's, that's for right. sure. Like special head. But special in the sense of... You know, we, we actually had something happen this week to where we said, oh, my goodness, we have to do a podcast oh, yeah. on this subject. Yeah, yeah. And so here's what happened. I had a long day Monday, and you know how it is. You get home, and you, you know, you get a shower, and you get changed. You kind of get relaxed, and you finally make it to the recliner and prop the feet up and finally get into victory formation. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm cruising through my Twitter feed. And I come across President Russell Nelson's yep. tweet on yep. and Monday. And you texted it to me. Yes. And, I mean, I'm serious. I'm I'm drinking my coffee, <laughs> and I read this tweet. He's deep in the comfort zone. <laughs> I just about spit it everywhere <laughs> because I, I just couldn't believe what I read. So uh-huh. I guess if you were to give this episode a title, it would be President Nelson said what? <laughs> It's so yeah. let me uh let me read this tweet that we're is going to be a springboard into what we're talking about today. But uh Monday afternoon, President Nelson, which of course for those that don't know, maybe some of our non LDS listeners, he is the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. He's the top dog there. That's right. And he tweeted out and said this Contrary to the doubts of some, there really is such a thing as right and wrong. There really is absolute truth, eternal truth. There and that's, that's that was a coffee spitter. and <laughs> <laughs> But not because you disagree with that. No, I absolutely agree with the statement. Yeah, that's right. I, I just agree with President Nelson. I just He's absolutely be- right. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that it came out of his mouth. Yes. Because here's the thing. If words have any meaning at all. Right. Then... He cannot say that with a straight face. <laughs> let, let me just let, let's go to the Oxford Dictionary because words have meaning. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to deal specifically uh, with the word absolute. Oh, yeah. That's as, an important word. A, yeah. As it pertains to absolute truth. According to the Oxford Dictionary, it says viewed or existing independently and not in relation to other things, mm-hmm. not relative or comparative as in with absolute moral standards, it goes on to say a value or principle which is regarded as universally valid or which may be viewed without relation to other things. Mm-hmm. And so absolute is is an unchanging standard. Right. It would it would be true whether or not I had ever been born, whether I had ever existed, uh, regardless of what you know the, the changes in the culture say. It is an unchanging right. external standard that applies to everyone at all times for all eternity. That's right. And so the reason that I call this a, a coffee spitter is because with respect to my LDS neighbors, they don't believe that. No. They, no. President Nelson doesn't believe President that. President Nelson doesn't believe that, which he is does. why. He has to. He has to say this. 
but he it's it's a trick people play in their mind it's actually it goes back to something that nancy piercy broke wrote about in her book total truth i have the book here in front of me and i've got the pages all bent and curled over and uh in her book total truth where she is arguing that not only is truth absolute but that it applies absolutely to all of us at all times so that there isn't any truth that we can store in the attic and just get out whenever it's convenient for us it we, it applies to us at all times and she talks about the way modern humanity has built this system so that they can escape God. And the, the system is what she describes as a two-story view of truth. There is the lower story, which is kind of where we all live. It's the ground floor of absolute or objective truth. It is what people consider to be the public sphere of scientific knowledge that we are all bound by and that's objectively true and that we can um that we can uh confirm scientifically we can come to mathematically um mathematically sound proofs and so on we can we can prove things with mathematical certainty and then there is the private realm which is the upper story um, and this is what this is interesting. If you can follow with this, the private sphere is considered the realm of personal preferences. Well, then you have this divide between faith and reason, and yeah. reason goes on the bottom floor. It's subjective, but faith is considered to be private sphere. It's upper story. It's personal preference. It is non-binding. And this is what I've found with my LDS neighbors. When we start talking about objective truth, one of the questions that I always will ask is, what objective reasons are there to believe that the Book of Mormon is true, that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, that Russell Nelson is a true prophet of the Lord? What, what reasons would I have, objective reasons? And invariably, in the conversation, it will become clear that they look at, and many members of the LDS Church look at the the reasons for believing to be a matter of faith, not reason. So, and it's that means it's upper story. It's my preference. This is what. But then they encourage you also to get that upper story experience there that's based on your feelings. But still, there's this there's this great disconnect between the two, um, the upper story, the lower story. So that the private realm, the realm of private personal feelings, experience, um, opinions, beliefs, and so on, are not truly binding on people. It's more an experience you've got to have. Yeah, and some people may say, "Well, what you know? What really is the big deal here?" Well, the big deal is this is one of the pillars mm-hmm. that separates biblical, orthodox, historical Christianity from the LDS faith, and that is your standard of truth. Right. Where do you obtain truth from? And that is, that's the most important question that any of us could ask. What right. is true? Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Yes. He was staring truth in the that's face. Right. That's right. As we've said before. And so the most important question is, you know, not what your family thinks, you know, not how uh, it will affect your business relationships or your finances or whatever the case may be as to why you do what you do. The most mm-hmm. important question to ask is what, what is true here? 
right, what right. is truth and what is the standard of that truth. And for somebody like President Nelson to make a statement like there is such a thing as absolute truth when he absolutely does not believe that is just ludicrous. Right. Because even even by the LDS, uh, their own statement of faith, their own doctrine of covenants, everything that they go by, I mean, you've got the scriptures properly interpreted, which basically means that Joseph Smith and the prophets of the world, of, of the LDS world, are the only ones that can actually properly interpret that, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's the same thing that... Uh, the Jehovah's Witness bishops say to their congregants, they can understand. Same thing the Catholics tell their congregants, let us take care of it. You you can't right. do this. That's private interpretation. Right. And and also uh, progressive revelation that, that God is continually speaking mm-hmm. in and through the prophets, even if that truth blatantly contradicts what's already been stated in the scriptures. Yeah. And so, no, it's not absolute. It's subjective, and it's changing with mm-hmm. with the times, with the culture, with the prophets and their arbitrary opinions. And we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Uh, the LDS are in for some really difficult days ahead because uh, the culture is pushing the LGBT agenda. It's pushing critical race theory. Yep, that's right. And the church is going to have to make a decision. That's Are right. we going to go with what the scriptures clearly teach, yeah. what the church has always stood by, or are they suddenly going to get a, a word from God, a prophecy yeah. that now says that, you know, God is okay with that, w- right. which that means God changes his mind. So then uh, I think a lot of LDS are <laughs> um, a little concerned right now, worried. That uh, what's coming down the pike is a capitulation, a total capitulation. They see it happening at BYU and so on, and they're watching it and they're nervous about it. I think some are not nervous. Some are hopeful that the LDS Church will embrace this totally. But among those who are, I think, um, really sincere believers and followers in the LDS Church, um, I think there's this growing fear um, that this this is going to happen there's this tension within the church that they're going to embrace homosexuality that they're going to embrace um, critical race theory that they're going to embrace um, the social justice movement all of that kind of stuff Um, and so back to our point on truth you know the question is whether truth is arbitrated through reason or revelation and this has been the debate over many years uh, do we is the source of truth reason or is it revelation now my first thing here i would argue against reason for a variety of reasons that you like how i put those two reason and re- anyway <laughs> I was just waiting for the laugh. All right. Well, I uh, was I was giving you time to alliterate there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I had to be a little poetic um, <laughs> with it, but uh, but the problem with relying on reason as a source of truth is that reason is always clouded. Our judgment is always cha- clouded by sin and the fall. In fact, that's what we talked about last yes. week. The fact that the, the fall sin, yes. affects everything, so that man never pursues truth purely for its own sake. There's always something else that is competing yes. in his mind. And, um, well, and, and Romans 1 tells us that by nature we're true suppressors. Right, we that's can, right. You know, we can look at the sun and creation and, you know, we under a microscope, we can look at the human cell and, you know, the atheist says, oh, 
It's amazing how they just came out of nothing. We hold the truth in unrighteousness. Yep. And um, in, in fact, in one of the rhetoric books I've used, um, the rhetoric is a secular book, but the um, author was talking about the fact that we even facts themselves, where people insist it's just the facts, you just believe the facts, facts don't lie, etc. The problem with the facts is not the facts themselves, it's rather our sight of them, because as she pointed out, we always filter our facts through a network of interpretation. Yeah. And that interpretation is where things get off, because again, our minds are tainted by sin, because there's this mixture and almost this going back and forth between objective truth and subjective truth. Um, and so we become subjective about objective truth sometimes. And we have we have to acknowledge that there is a subjective perspective to all objective truth because there's subjective elements because I'm seeing it from my angle. So, for instance, if there's a car accident on the way home and I happen to be sitting right at the intersection, it happens right in front of me and I see it, my account will differ from someone who is sitting on the other side of the street from me who is watching it, maybe even someone who's walking um, will see things very differently. So there are always subjective elements. And so, yes, it's true. The facts don't lie. Facts are facts. Facts are, as people like to say, stubborn things when they think that it works out in their favor. Um, but it's still facts. Reason is not an infallible source of truth. So then if the sources of truth are either reason or revelation, then it has to be revelation that is the infallible source of truth. Yes, because everybody reasons differently. So yes. by nature, that becomes subjective, right? which cannot be absolute. And then on top of that, everyone reasons sinfully. Yes. So you're both subjective and sinful. That's a recipe for failure and uh, for disaster. And if, if truth proceeds simply from reason, that kind of thinking is what allows things like the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Because according to the reason of Hitler and Nazi Germany, uh, the Jews were less than human and deserved to die. Right. And so it has to be something outside of ourselves that hold us all That's right. to the same standard. So a transcendent truth that is over all of us and that we are all subject to. And this is, this is the thing about the Christian faith. Christianity is the only way that we can give a true account of these transcendent values, the transcendentals. The three classic transcendentals are truth, goodness, and beauty. And in all three cases, you have a moral standard, a, a standard of truth, a standard of goodness, a standard of beauty um, that all things must rise up to and reach for um, that transcends us all that we are all subject to. Absolutely. And this brings me to my next point, talking about the difference between the LDS and Orthodox biblical Christianity is I, I totally agree with what President Nelson said. Right. It's just the fact that he said it That's that right. made me spit out my coffee. Because we also know, we all know that there all take revelation as the source. Well, revelation is qualified. Yes. It's always qualified. And the qualification is that it has to be prophet approved. 
Yes. And see, I could make the same statement that he made with a straight face, but I just don't see how he did it. And on Wednesday nights, we actually just finished out a study at our church. We've been walking through the uh, New Hampshire Baptist Confession of Faith, which is what our church adheres to. And you look at all of the old Baptist confessions, the very first article right at the top Mm -hmm. is about the Scriptures because for everything else they talk about, they're going to appeal to the Scriptures. In fact, Article 1 of the New Hampshire Baptist Confession of Faith states, uh, of the Scriptures, we believe that the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is a perfect treasure of heavenly instruction, Mm -hmm. that it has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter, that it reveals the principles by which God will judge us and therefore is and shall remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and opinions should be tried. I love the beauty of a statement like that. Yes. I love I love the way they crafted it, just the way they word it, and yes. drawing out the beauty, the glory of these things. But most of all, I love the truth that is expressed in that statement. Yes. And so that once again, the question comes down to, to our LDS friends and neighbors, and even those that aren't LDS, what is your standard of truth? Right. What are you governing your decisions what are you living your life by? What rule? It can't just be what I think or what I feel. And really, it can't even, if you're going to be consistent, it can't even be what the prophet says. Right. Because what the prophets say differs with the man that holds the office. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that when we, when we narrow it down, and are any LDS listeners who have hung with us so far, are probably in agreement with us that reason is not the source of truth, that it must be revelation. Yes. I think, in fact, our LDS friends would applaud that at that point. Okay. So then we have to go into what revelation. Now, for the LDS church, they believe the Bible um, is the word of God in as much as it is accurately translated. Which gives the prophets the ability to filter. That's so right. So they're, they're they become the filter, yes. they become then the arbiter. And I have here an article on Revelation. It is from uh, Gospel Topics again, uh, the LDS.org or Latter day Church of Jesus Christ.org. Um, study on Revelation. And according to the LDS, Revelation is communication from God to his children. No disagreement there. This guidance comes through various channels according to the needs and circumstances of individuals, families, and the church as a whole. When the Lord reveals his will to the church, he speaks through his prophet. Prophets are the only people who can receive revelation for the church, but they are not the only people who can receive revelation. According to our faithfulness, we can receive revelation to help us with our specific personal needs, responsibilities, and questions, and to help us strengthen our testimony. So this goes to something we discussed before, where we have these all these revelations. In fact, it is what, in the early days, made the LDS Church so attractive to Americans. And, and L- the LDS Church and Joseph Smith is truly a distinctly American religion. Oh, it absolutely is. It's centered in America. It uh, 
you know, there's this claim that Jesus visited the Americas. The Constitution's an inspired document. All of that. All of that is part, I mean, it's centered on America. So that was a big deal. But then also it appeals to the American ideal of autonomy, um, that desire to be, you know, the master of my own fate, um, the captain of my soul that embodied in the, the poem Invectus. Um, or Invictus, uh, but so there's this um, this great love for personal autonomy, and Joseph Smith appealed to that by opening up the floodgates of possible potential revelations, so that anyone can receive a revelation from God. Now, of course, the prophet is the only one who can receive revelation for the church. Um, but I have often marveled at the revelations that are okay and the revelations that are not okay. Um, if you have a revelation, for example, that you're to take a second wife, um, you know, that's not okay. You'll be excommunicated for that. And yes. If you have a revelation that you're to dig a mine and uh, that you're to get investors to invest in this mine and you're not going to find any gold till the Lord returns, that's not okay. I've got an online study from the Church of Jesus Christ.org in my hand. It's called Divine Truth. Uh-huh. And it says here that each of us must rely on the Holy Ghost to determine whether a teaching is true and comes from the fountain of all truth, which is God. Mm-hmm. And but but here herein lies the problem. All right, let's let's use two examples, an individual example and a church wide example. Going back to the issue of homosexuality. What happens if an individual decides that God has told them, has spoken to them, that it's okay for them to be homosexual, that God created them that way, they should, uh, you know, they should be affirmed in that, they should right. celebrate that. How could you fight against that? What would right. you use to say uh, yeah. that wasn't God? Well, you certainly can't say, well, if it contradicts what the church currently holds to because the church has contradicted itself the church has changed its mind for instance blacks in the priesthood is a prime example of that where um, black skin was considered a curse and now uh it is that's forgotten yeah and so contradicted so the same thing homosexuality um, doesn't fit with their idea or ideal for marriage and family and their proclamation on marriage and the family would be contradicted by that, but they are just fine with contradicting it as well. Yes. So, or the the second example on a church wide level that uh, the prophets come out mm-hmm. and say that they're now going to affirm the LGBT lifestyle. They can be church right. members. They can be bishops. They can you know which many are hoping for, no yeah. doubt. And so the question remains. How could you refute that, especially considering that it goes against the teachings of the church up to this point? I mean, by, if they come out and affirm that, mm-hmm. what they're saying is essentially that the church has been wrong up to this point. Yeah. And if they if they try to say, oh, well, the, you know, the church was right up to that point, but, but now it's right to this point, now you're saying God's arbitrary. Right. God changes his mind. God is a re- God's really a reflection of our culture. Yeah. God gets up and he gets his morning paper every day 
and to figure out what's going on in the well, world. Well, it's the old he, idea of progressive revelation. That's it. God is progressing just like everyone else. So God himself progresses. He sees that, well, you know, I was a little too cranky in the Old Testament. Yeah. Let's have a New Testament. And in that situation, it, it is such a low view of God because God is basically reacting to our culture. Yeah. Our opinions, our logic, yeah. in which case, listen, folks, in that case. We're teaching God. We're teaching God is actually us, really. Yeah, that's right. That's because he's looking at us and seeing that, oh, you know what? They're doing better. They're thriving because they're doing these I didn't things. Even, so. I didn't even think about right, that. Right. Wow. So they showed me the way. <laughs> and it's, and it, it's a very humanistic view, of course. Without an absolute standard, you have no way of fighting against that's right. that. And you don't. Given... The principles, the core principles of the LDS Church, there is no grounds for arguing that the LDS Church will never embrace homosexuality because given their principles, there's every reason to think that they will. And just watching what is happening right now, we would we would say, yeah, it's probably right around the corner. Yeah, I think it actually. is. Actually, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's hard to say for sure. Um, certainly, the guys, you know, the eighty and ninety year old men who are at the head of the church right now are not going to embrace that. Um, but how much longer can they can we reasonably expect them to still be here and live? And when the younger generation comes up and takes this, uh, most of them have already fully embraced this. And yes. so in their minds, in their hearts, and they're ready to embrace it as a church as well. And the rank and file there are many in fact many of my conservative friends that are saying that it's getting it's almost getting ugly in some ward meetings and things like that really and yeah um the things that are being said where they say you almost can't even bring up um the constitution you almost can't bring up uh the principles of our freedom um in in any kind of thing and some would say well it has no place in a ward meeting um, but, uh, you know, people talk, uh, people are going to talk about what concerns them and what matters to them. Well, concerning our society, it is the 800 pound girl in the room right now. How could yeah, you not talk? about That's it? right. Which is exactly why you have to have an objective standard to where we say, hey, th- this is what God said. Yeah, this is the this is the line in the sand. Are we going to go with what God said? Or are we going to do what we want to do? Yeah. They, they can't do that. They really cannot do that. So when we talk about our standard, it's very simply this. Jesus, who was praying to God the Father in John 17, says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Right. That's it. Yeah, it's interesting because Jesus himself in John 14, which, by the way, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all take place in the upper room, and it's all um, when they celebrated um, the Passover, so when Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper, th- this is all instruction that he gave. So all in the same discourse, essentially, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six. And then in John 17, he prayed in the presence of his disciples. Yes. And in that prayer, he said, sanctify them through the, thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we have here jesus who is the truth and so if you really want to know the truth is a person and jesus as a person is the fullest revelation of god that we can find 
anywhere because, and, and this is what Second Corinthians 4 verses 4 and 6 tell us, that Satan blinds their minds lest the light of the glory of God would shine unto them. For God, who has shined out of the darkness, hold on a second, let me pull up. I should have my Bible in front of me, but I don't. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, the face of Jesus Christ is the fullest revelation of God that is available to mankind. Yes. And I find it interesting. We talk about the written word of God. To show you how important this was to God, when Jesus was quoting from the writings of Moses, he didn't say Moses said. He said Moses wrote. Right. He talked about the writing, something uh, tangible that you could hold yeah. in your hand that That's could right. not be debated. That's right. And if you think about the only time in church history when we didn't ha- really have any kind of, of Bible per se, obviously except for the Old Testament, but no New Testament, was obviously the time right after the ascension of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just took a while to get all those things written and to get them in circulation. And it was during that time, which really covered the book of Acts, mm-hmm. when the apostles uh, were you know, sharing the gospel and preaching, but it was all oral. It was all oral tradition. But during that time is when God empowered those Mm -hmm. men Mm -hmm. with signs and wonders. I mean, so much so that even the shadow of Peter passing over someone would heal them, okay? Mm -hmm. They knew these men were from God. Mm -hmm. Well, then when we got the scriptures, when we got that which is perfect, that which in part was done away with, 2 Corinthians uh, 13 or 1 Corinthians 13. And so... um, what, where are these signs and miracles right. from these so-called prophets and apostles yeah, today? Yeah, yeah, they're not doing that. No, no, they're not. They can't do that. No, they don't have that power. They don't have that authority. The scriptures is where the authority is. That's right. And just as Jesus is the fullest revelation of God to man, the scriptures, the Bible, the sixty-six books of the Old and New Testament are the fullest infallible testimony of Jesus. So Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Yes. So Jesus is revealed to us in the word of God, in the Bible. So there you have the infallible testimony of truth, and that's the source of truth, revelation, the revelation from God, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Yes. And the, you know, this whole continual revelation it's just so messed up because there's so many cults that do it right the the lds church does it the catholics do it right uh, i mean and, and the thing is how could how could you vet that if if a catholic priest says one thing and a, a mormon prophet says another mm-hmm. and they contradict i mean how could you vet that who's telling the truth are right. are they both lying and yeah. yeah i printed off some things um again on revelation and in particular, uh, how the, the LDS Church views Revelation and how they 
view their ability to grasp it, to to um, find the truth. And it's interesting because they aren't really looking at the Book of Mormon even as the source of truth or an infallible source of truth. They reject the Bible, of course. Yeah. They really consider the Holy Spirit to be the only infallible um, source of truth. And the way that the Holy Spirit communicates that truth and reveals is to themselves personally. There are quite a bit in this article. Um, The scriptures tell of different types of revelation, such as visions, dreams, and visitations by angels. Um, through such channels, the Lord has restored his gospel in the latter days and revealed many truths. Quiet pr- spiritual promptings may not seem as spectacular as visions or angelic visitations, but they are just as powerful and lasting and life-changing. The witness of the Holy Ghost makes an impression on the soul that is more significant than anything we can see or hear. So really, there's not anything in writing. It's all in flux. And when God did those things in the scriptures, the visions and dreams, he did that when they didn't have a copy of the scriptures in their hand. We're going through the life of Joseph on Sunday night at our church. We've Mm -hmm. read about the dreams. Mm -hmm. Guess what? He couldn't turn to the book of Genesis and see how everything turns out. That's right, because Genesis wasn't written in Joseph's day. That's absolutely right. That's right. It was... um, Recorded by a divinely inspired historian. Okay, so preparing to receive revelation. There's this list. Pray for guidance. Be reverent. Be humble. Keep the commandments. Partake of the sacrament worthily. Study the scriptures every day. But here's the interesting thing. Studying the scripture is not in order to receive revelation from God. Oh, boy. Yeah, because that's what the Bible is. It is God revealing himself to mankind and revealing his will to mankind. Um, But rather, as we read and ponder, we may receive revelation about how a certain scripture passage applies to us. So the, the revelation then is outside of the word of God. But this is the most important point. Take time to ponder. Take time to ponder. So then there's a whole section on this and recognizing the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Now, all the things to recognize the promptings of the Holy Ghost, there is not one single point in here that would send a person to look at the Bible to ensure that the revelation I have received is consistent with the Word of God or that the Word of God would, in fact, confirm that this is the truth. Right here. Well, there's no way. To, there is no way to vet your feelings. That's right. If you don't submit to the absolute authority of Scripture. Right. So there's not even a submitting to the authority of Scripture and an acknowledgement that Scripture is more authoritative than my feelings. Yes. So, go ahead. And well, I was going to say, and this is shifting gears just a little bit. You know, even when it comes to the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, this this progressive revelation or continual revelation of the prophets, it really is cheap. Right. It really is cheap because when you think about the scriptures, uh, you know, some people ask, well, h- how do we know that that's inspired or h- how did it make it into the canon? Right. You know, the early church, th- there were so many letters and epistles and documents in circulation that the church realized they had to come up with a system of vetting 
of what was inspired and what was not. It was a mm-hmm. four-part test. Mm-hmm. It was, and, and let's just think about this for a minute. Let's hold the, the Book of Mormon and the Doctrines and Covenants. To one of these tests. To, yeah, but <laughs> you know, God forbid all four. Yes. But, right. but the four tests were antiquity. Mm-hmm. Was it the oldest? Was it during the right time? Mm-hmm. Which is why the Gnostic Gospels didn't make it into, or one of the reasons it didn't make it, because they weren't old enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the ones we have in our, our Bible were the oldest, mm-hmm. you know, right after the time of Jesus, pretty much. Well, then there was the test of tradition. Mm-hmm. Was it widely accepted right. by the churches? Right, because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Yes. And uh, another test. Uh, and, by the way, Jesus promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church as well. Yes, and that his words would, would never perish. Wouldn't, that's right. But then there was the test of orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. You know, were these documents, did they blatantly contradict the teachings of the books that were already in the canon or in the Old Testament right. scripture? Which is another reason why the Gnostic Gospels didn't make it in there. And the fourth test was apostolic authorship. Uh Now, not all the New Testament epistles were directly written by an apostle, but the rule was apostle or close associate like Mark. He was not one of the original disciples. And ironically, he wrote eyewitness accounts of things that he didn't actually witness, but he was Peter's amanuensis, his copyist. And so in a, a very real sense... Uh, the book of Mark is almost like the Gospel of Peter. It is, and so and Luke, yeah, actually not an apostle, but Luke also traveled with the apostle Paul. Number one, most likely directly interviewed Mary, which is why his account of Mary is so much more yes um, extensive than anyone else. What in fact, no, almost no one mentions Mary, um, but uh, he gives a thorough account of from Mary's perspective. Yes. And so when you when you think about the strenuous test mm-hmm. that the books had to go through to make it into the canon, which yeah. by the way, the word canon means a standard by which to measure. That's right. When you hold the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, and the writings of these prophets, mm-hmm. They don't. They don't meet one of them. That's right. Not one. The Book of Mormon has no ancient documentation. No, it, no. it 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 was a brainchild of Joseph Smith. Right. And so it's just if you if you really do care about truth and consistency, mm-hmm. there's just no way around this. Right. So compare what you just said, where there are rigid standards for the canonicity of Scripture. And compare that to how to recognize the promptings of the Holy Ghost, which are all entirely feeling-oriented. There are three things listed in this article. And again, this is found in Gospel Topics on churchofjesuschrist.org. He speaks to the mind and heart in a still, small voice. He prompts us through our feelings. He brings peace. So it's all feeling. It's all feeling entirely from beginning to end. There's not any standard at all. And you could receive a revelation of anything that you wanted to. Yes. If you really wanted it, you would get that burning in that in the bosom. If if that was if you wanted that revelation. And, you know, playing devil's advocate here for a minute. I I ran into a lady the other day, sweet lady, Mormon lady that said that uh, you know she had a vision or that the Holy Spirit told her 
that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God mm-hmm. and that he had restored the true church and everything he said was true. Mm-hmm. I didn't do this because I, I don't want to be rude and I'm not trying to be facetious now. But what if I had turned the tables and said, well, I had a vision <laughs> and, the and, I, and the Holy Spirit told me that Joseph Smith was a false prophet <laughs> and that Mormonism is a cult. Right. Okay. How do you, what do you do at that point? Right. Yeah. It, We're at an impasse, and then it's just my truth against your truth. And that's, again, there's that upper story. So this is how we've done it. We've said, well, in matters of religion and in matters of faith, they don't have to meet a test of reason or objectivity. They don't have to. So there's an objective reason to believe the revelation of the Word of God, because it speaks the truth. It speaks the truth to man. It speaks... Uh, things about man it says describes us as we are and as we we recognize ourselves in it but it also mentions what we don't want to admit about ourselves in there besides that the account that scripture gives of the foundation of the world is an account that we can't make sense of the world without that account yes Uh, so we don't have apart from the, the divine revelation apart from the word of god there is no good reason to believe anything at all. Um, so we have objective reasons, and really we find that reason reinforces what revelation exposes. Um, when we look at the Word of God, it speaks the truth to us, to our hearts, uh, and we can verify it, we can confirm it by considering it from a reasonable perspective. It gives us an objective reason for saying so, whereas the objective reasons to believe the LDS truth, LDS version of absolute truth, really is not objective at all. The objective reasons are based on subjectivism. Yes, and of course, as we wind this down, we just want to reiterate that you know, really the, the catalyst for this episode was the tweet right. by President Nelson about there being such things absolute truth. I wish I could sit across the table and ask him, okay, you said you believe in absolute truth. What is it? Right, what right. Is it? Yes. And how how is it objectively confirmed? Yes. Um, as well. Because not that, you know, like the, the, the glory of the Word of God is that it has a glory that is self-attesting. And the truth of Scripture is a self-attesting truth. When it speaks of God, it speaks the truth, and that truth is immediately apparent. It is, in fact, axiomatic. Um, whereas the the revelations that Joseph Smith claims to have are very arbitrary, um, the account of them has been changed dramatically uh, to from the day that it was given to now. Um, so because of how many problems there were with that account. Yeah. So, you know, look, we agree with president Nelson. We want to show him the truth. Yes. We want to show him. Yes. And not because we have some special corner on it or we've had a revelation, but rather we'd like to take him to the word of God and show him this is absolute. Yes. And the thing about having an absolute standard, like the scriptures is the fact that it also holds us accountable. That's, I can't just stand up in my pulpit on Sunday and just lick my finger and hold it up to the wind, or I, I can't just say something that I want to say because I could so take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, my goodness, think people about, have. I mean, think, yeah, um, 
Jim Jones. That's right. I mean, you I was could, thinking about him I, and his Kool Aid. Yeah, you could you could go on down the list of how people have taken advantage of that. But if everybody is held to the same standard, you can't do that. That's right. I, I have to hold myself to the same Bible that I preach to the people at my church. Yeah. That's right. You can't do it without it. Sola Scriptura. Amen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is the breath of God. Yeah. yeah. That's not said of anything else or yeah. anybody else. That's right. And so um, do we agree with President Nelson that there is such thing as absolute truth? Absolutely. On the surface. Yeah. But but the thing is, he doesn't believe that. And that's... <laughs> when you get below the surface. That's really been the whole point. And so we, I just, I just end this episode with this simple question. I've already asked it once. What is your standard of truth? Mm. What is truth? Do yeah. you have a standard of truth? Yeah. Or, or do you just kind of make it up as you go? Yeah. Are you the source of your own well, truth? Well, and that's, uh, I would say, you know, Dr. Nelson or President Nelson probably does believe that there is absolute truth. But he, in part, there's a view that it's out there. We are trying to find it, but also what God has revealed to me, that is absolute truth, yeah. but that's not an absolute standard at all. No, it's it's not, and so I think we've made the point, I hope we're not beating a dead horse, but it's just such a serious topic of how it you is. determine what truth is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so which many is, people are turned away from the truth. Yes, which is what we're concerned about, yeah. that, that people would hear the truth, they would believe the truth of Jesus Christ and, and his gospel mm-hmm. and be saved. Amen. And that's our heart's desire. And so I believe that's going to end it for this episode anyway. But uh, we'd love to hear from you, as always. Um, I am the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Logan, Utah. You can visit our website at gracebaptistlogan.org. Or you can reach me at my personal email address, Preacher of Grace. That's one word, Preacher of Grace. At yahoo.com and Pastor Malinak. I'm the pastor at Berean Baptist Church. My email address is P as in Pastor Malinak, my last name, at gmail.com. Well, until next time, we love you and God bless. <laughs>